0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, it's an international break, city special, extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. And I'm joined, I'm delighted to be joined, reunited with Ian Cheeseman. Got to say reunited, yeah. re it's been Oh yeah Sorry <laughs> oh, We'll have to edit that bit out as well Get a beep over that And Simon sorry we've got a blue
1: carpet Yeah we have that that. on yeah
0: Simon Bykoski Nice to have you
1: back Yeah nice last nice week, to be
0: back Last week we spoke about Five Aside I was the victim <laughs> Of a horror challenge in Five Aside My knee ligaments have been damaged I'm out of action for three to six weeks Three to six weeks Yeah that's what the doctor said oh. She said I shouldn't be driving for a week But I was stuck in Wales I had to drive home I had to break
1: that rule you only go to doctors in Wales, is that how it
0: Yeah, works? well, yeah. I was just, I registered you don't with... You
1: trust the English.
0: No, I registered with a doctor at uni and never right. went. And then I went, I registered with well, one back home, made the novice mistake. See. And my mum knows her. And my grandma went to the same one, so a lot Good. of... But that's not awkward no it's not really no I mean she's, she's dealt with a lot of ailments <laughs> from my family the fake clan. yeah we've had a, we've had a lot of problems over the years
2: <sighs> sorry for the yawn
0: it's <laughs> fine so, Ian we'll bring you into it now um <laughs> I guess the yawn is how lots of people see the international break though, isn't it? For yeah. you, is that how you see it? Do you see it as two weeks of out-city or do you see it as maybe two weeks where they can recuperate ahead of this final push for the quadruple dream?
2: Well, there's a few definitely been recuperating and it's nice to see that uh, players like Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Mendy... Uh, Fernandinho and Vincent Kompany are now back in training uh, and hopefully they've all had a little bit of a mental break if not a physical break not all of them obviously there's one or two been starring for their countries like Raheem Sterling Uh, but hopefully yes but as a fan and and as an observer um, the timing of this is just horrendous I don't like international breaks anyway I don't understand why this round of fixtures uh, couldn't have been played one week after, you know, in the immediate week after the end of the season. You know, they could have played one more round of Premier League games this week and then the season ended a week earlier and then had the internationals after. But that's the international calendar uh, and here we are. Just got to deal with it, haven't you? As Pep says. Yes. Adds to the drama, yeah. Adds to the drama. It's like the calm before the storm, isn't it? Because once so. everything starts again, it is going to be coming thick and fast, and you're not going to have time to spit out. That's my sort of. That's my sort <laughs> of schedule. That. So, I, do
0: you agree? I know from that's Cheesy's point from a city move fans' point of view. Do you think Pep feels the same way? That's
1: come at a bad time for him. Um, I like to think that he spends the fortnight sort of in a darkened room, rubbing his head. Thinking of everything. Thinking of everything that could go wrong as he watches various <laughs> screens of his international players on on duty. I mean, it you know, it's come at kind of the wrong time for him. City are on a run of like 19 wins in 20 games. So they've clearly fostered something really special. And then that just sort of goes away and you're not sure if it'll be back in time. He doesn't like early Saturday games. He especially doesn't like early Saturday games after you've not been together for two weeks. So that will not please him, but um, there haven't really been any scares or... Well, Sano was fine after that tackle. The horror tackle, was In the wasn't it? game, yeah. yeah. Last week. Um, so, it, and like Ian said, players coming back. So it seems like it's been quite positive
0: yeah and we spoke there about the players who have starred on international duty uh, did you watch any of the England games Ian or have you just
2: caught the highlights and seen just how superb Sterling's been for his national team I saw quite a bit of the not all of but quite a bit of the first of the England games last night I was watching Les Miserables at the Palace so I didn't oh. see any of it and um, so, I obviously have, which I've, was better Well, I can't compare the two because I didn't see the other one, did I? But uh, obviously I I know that the incidents that happened around uh, the game yesterday, uh, Sterling getting another goal and... Unfortunately, racism rearing its ugly head again, um, which is something, unfortunately, that occasionally we have to talk about, but I'd rather not. I'd rather we just talk about football, but it's part of life. Yeah, Aux-Jean Valjean, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's disgusting that these things still happen in modern society, but uh, it seems that Raheem Sterling, the new mature... I say new, mature, I mean, compared to... Perhaps the image that he had, whether it was right or wrong, of a few years ago of being not quite the sort of focused, mature individual he is now, but this this Raheem Sterling now is just handling everything exceptionally well, is a role model, um, and quite rightly he's now being touted for for you know player of the year. Um, the irony being that as a City fan, um, I would actually go for one of his teammates, Bernardo Silva, rather than Raheem Sterling but it seems to become a straight head-to-head between Sterling and Virgil van Dijk and when it comes to that choice then it would be Raheem Sterling for me but actually I still think Bernardo Silva's been City's player of the year so by definition if Raheem Sterling's been talented for player of the year then that has to mean Bernardo Silva's player of the year but there you go, that's just my thoughts I
0: guess it's a problem of City maybe have suffered from though, isn't it? We always talk about in recent years how they've got so much squad talent that it's always hard to pick one city player who is player of the year. It cost them last season because Salah won it when when there was so many city players to choose from. But I guess the fact that Sterling maybe can be the sort of the poster boy for this season means he's got a good chance of of actually winning it.
1: Yeah, it'd be funny though, wouldn't it, if like it was a hat trick against the Czech Republic and uh, an assist, a few assists against Montenegro that ended up getting him. Player of the Year for the Premier League seems like this fortnight has like catapulted him into oh he must must be up there for Player of the Year and it's like well well, why like
0: I think it's what he represents as well more than just the the football this season I
1: I appreciate that I appreciate that but in terms of like Premier League Player of the Year yeah I think if you want to um, keep that award as
0: as maybe high profile and such an accolade that is you have just got to do (laughs) it That sort of purely on football quality and who's made the biggest difference in the Premier League this season.
2: And the truth is that because so much is yet to be decided, yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, this, this vote shouldn't happen until the season's actually ended. But mm. well, of course, the problem with that is that they all go away on either international duty or on their holidays. And so any sort of awards ceremony that they have, there's no possibility really of these players, the winning players attending. Yeah. So they have to do it earlier. But to me, if you're going to have credibility in these awards, they should be done when the season's finished. So if Raheem Sterling scores a hat-trick at Brighton on the last day of the season to win the, the title for the Blues, and then he scores the winner in the Champions League final, and you've just cast your vote for Virgil van Dyke on the basis that Liverpool... Looked uh, like they might uh, look well, Look they might like they might win it. You know, that to me is bizarre. But that's, that's the situation we're in.
1: Yeah. Like Sterling could well be City's best player he could be the best player in the league we don't but know. he could be like the fourth or the fifth best player by the time the season's over
0: yeah I guess the only argument I've heard against it really is the fact that it means you are choosing maybe based on a player rather than just for whoever's on the winning team at the end. Because I guess if, if Liverpool to win the league, everyone would say Van Dijk Liverpool won the league. Whereas you feel like if City won the league, then people would maybe say, oh, I've got to choose a
2: City player instead. So I, I do understand that from both sides in no, that No, I can but... see that argument as well, that you shouldn't just vote for a player because he's in the winning team. But, I, I, and that's not really the reason why I'm saying it, though, i no. check that point. that You know, these next eight games are you know, the defining games. So therefore you'd like to think not what normally happens is that the big players come to the fore. I mean, in previous years, we've seen players like Yaya Toure, who yeah. I've always been a fan of anyway, last two months suddenly from. come to the fore, suddenly produce special stuff. A bit like Ronaldo doing it, you know, the, the, his Juventus record hasn't been quite what it was at Real Madrid, but suddenly when, when the chips are down, he produces. So, and, and I think that should be a factor in player of the year and um, so who won uh, who won player of the year in 2014 this is it I'm a, saying as I'm googling it
0: yeah it's always like it should have been our tease of half time this because I've got no idea Suarez,
1: Suarez, Suarez.
2: yeah rings a bell yeah you?
1: Suarez yeah producer so, Ashes so Torre won the league for City and and Suarez got player of the year
2: yeah which is another point proven because that vote would have been taken at the point when it looked much, like Liverpool yeah. yeah. were going to win the, the league when
1: Suarez was scoring like 20 goals past Norwich yeah six, mm. six at Carrot a week and then yeah
0: mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess the other discussion that's come out the international break as well, though, uh, Gareth Southgate mentioned Sterling as a player who is in his senior pool for captaincy. Uh, I guess the wider discussion, not only just with England, but City as well. Do you see Sterling as someone who is captain material going forward, Ian?
2: Well, I think football captaincy is different than it is in some other sports. I don't think it's as crucial. And although you hear managers saying this and players saying it from time to time, and it sounds like it's a, a cliche, and I suppose anything that gets repeated over and over by definition becomes a cliche but you should in football have 11 captains on the field uh, and I don't think it, it should really make a, an awful lot of difference as to who has that role because cricket and, and, and other sports the captaincy role is very very different and um, Obviously, to me, there's no question that Vincent Company is head and shoulders the Manchester City captain and is and still is and should be as long as he's at the club. That's my personal opinion. Um, the fact that Sterling now is acting in such a responsible, mature way in terms of his off-field uh, actions, he's been, um, you know... On social media particularly, but in other walks of life, he's been uh, very notably helping young players and being a role model. And he's also speaking in a very concise, clear way um, that I greatly admire. You can see why he would be a big contender because I suppose the off-field role... Um, for the club, anyway, is as important as if not more important than actually what he does on the field. Because, as I say, I think they should all be captains in a way. And actually, if you look at what City have been doing in recent matches, quite a lot recently, actually, um, when senior players have been out, almost every outfield player at one time and another has actually worn the captain's armband. It's like, is it your turn this week? You know, and looking <laughs> on the around, router. yeah. yeah. So, um, which I, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Um, but So I'm not going to specifically say Raheem Sterling should be the captain at the moment. To me, it's it's definitely Vincent Kompany should remain that way. Um, but no reason why Sterling couldn't be um, that role as well. Sigh so, the international
0: break's also brought us brought some more encouraging performances from City. Uh, Jesus has played sporadically. Edison's starting goal for Brazil, but... The one that's taken chart-beat in the Manchester United News by Storm is Zinchenko as a centre-defensive midfielder, which I horribly sold as either an alternative to Fernandinho if they needed him next
1: season. But it's interesting to see
0: Zinchenko played in that new central-defensive midfield sort of holding role
1: for, for Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's one of those that Pep has said he can play there while listing about five, 486 five, yeah. <laughs> players that he would rather have in that role. Yeah. Um, Guardiola has never made any bones about the fact that he thinks that Sinchenko is one of the most talented players he's got on the ball in his squad. Like he thinks he's he's brilliant and he's shown that at left back, but it's been interesting to see him get better defensively. Um in 2019, and I didn't watch the Ukraine's game with Portugal, but the highlights reel certainly looked very good. It was, you know, really good positioning, um, good reading of the game, and just excellent overall. I think it, it, every week you're surprised by how much he's coming on, and that doesn't mean to say that he'll necessarily be at City next season because plans to buy a defensive midfielder, plans to buy a left back. So he sort of reset to zero, but it's, um, you know, he's he's living his best life, isn't he? He
0: is, and he, that's what we, I know we both love that about Zinchenko, that he yeah. really enjoys being a footballer, doesn't yeah. he? He's well, a he's, rapper now, and he, yeah, as well? Yeah, he's on social media and he yeah. does a bit of everything. He lives a
1: very different life to me. Yeah, he loves everything but living in Manchester. So. yeah. Good luck to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, who can blame him really? I'm
2: not, I'm I'll tell you side. what though, there's a, there's a strong Ukrainian community in Manchester yeah. and he's been welcomed there. I know he's gone down and you know, they have dances and stuff like that. And I know he's got involved in that. So at least they're making him welcome in Manchester as well as the city fans, of it. course.
0: Yeah. As, as well, Ian, I mean, Si made a good point there because it was last summer where it looked like he was destined to leave the club. Really. I know we did some pieces and I know it was easy to say, but he, was sort of viewed as just a sporadic squad player. It was sort of take it or leave it if someone wants to pay the fee can go. But it is credit that in another injury crisis, he's really stepped up and made a mark on the first team.
2: Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised really that uh, Ben Chilwell's name keeps coming up and and perhaps other left backs uh, because I've been so impressed by Zinchenko that I don't see any reason now why... He couldn't seriously be considered as the first choice left back. Now he may be saying privately, "I don't mind doing what you want me to do, and I'll play in this position and I'll give it my best shot." But I don't. I don't see my next ten years as being here. In which case, then um, and, and we we're not privy to that conversation, and why should we be? But that might be why Pep is looking elsewhere and, and looking at the long term now. Obviously, we're guessing here to a certain extent, but Zinchenko might prefer a number ten or a or a left wing role, and we haven't probably, I would argue, seen enough yet of him in those roles to know whether he is as good and capable of being the player he wants to be in that position. The midfield defensive role, which we have seen him occasionally in, I think he's probably better in a two. In that role, personally, rather than as the single player. I think you've got... If you're going to play a single defensive midfielder, you've got to be really well balanced and... He is very left-footed. And I'm not saying he's, he's completely without use of his right foot, but the great thing about Fernandinho, and that what one of the things that makes him special, is that he feels very two-footed in his... Not just the way that he kicks the ball, but the way he sets his ball... Uh, sorry, the way he sets his body. Um, Careful. Sets himself behind the ball, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I but, the- but, you know, you, you can't... I mean... To give another example, the extreme example of a very left footed player in Lionel Messi, you, he's still a very well balanced player. That's the difference. And I don't know if people know what I'm talking about, but you also get other players. And I don't mean this in disrespect, but Julian Lescott was a very left footed Player and a very left-sided player, mm. and when he was turned onto his right, he looked awkward. It didn't. It didn't feel right. He was off. He looked literally off balance. Uh, I know Messi has said the exception, but when he is on his right, he doesn't look off balance. He, yes, he's got a stronger left foot, but he still looks balanced, and that's how it feels to like that for Fernandinho to me. Whereas Zinchenko, at this stage in his career, just feel a little bit too left-footed to be a central. Yeah. Yeah. Alone, central midfielder. But again, just my opinion.
0: It's more for Pep to mull over, isn't it? In the in the summer. But like you said, the size. Well, while we're on it, it the, the plans for City still are to reinforce left back and certainly Mendi. Yeah, need
1: anyway. and, and they've they've grown because you know first we were hearing that it was just going to be a defensive midfielder, and then as Mendy's problems have continued, it's a left back, and now it's a defensive midfielder and a left back, and also two other positions which. He, think are going to be a centre-back and uh, another attacker of some sort whether that's a, a number nine or a, another sort of winger attacker uh, not sure but yeah it's set to be another big summer if things go to plan for City. It's set to be another big hot second half to
0: the podcast but at the moment we will have to leave you with a teaser at the end of the first half before we go on to more club matters and I think you'll both get this one this week are you trying to look at the answer as so I lift it up? There, so. um, producer Ash is back and he's treated us to a, a humdinger, haven't you, Ash? Uh, the quiz question is, which City player, past or present, has been on the pitch the most times when City have won? Does that make sense? Has everyone got that? Yeah. Which City player, past or present, has been on the pitch the most times when City have won? We will be back in Premier League. Premier League. i sorry, okay. Premier League. That's uh, not first division yeah. or anything like that. I don't think he's got that. I don't, yeah, he looks both. very troubled. Whoa, you know the, say, <laughs> Do you know the difference between first division, Premier? That I would say well away from this. Ash Just say Premier League and keep it safe. Both. It can't be both, though, because the stats won't apply. <laughs> right, we'll be back after the break, anyway. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Just before the break we left you with a teaser question which has is com- confuses all. Which city player, past or present, has been on the pitch the most what was it? Has been on the win, I guess, yeah, on the pitch when City won the most in the Premier League since 1992.
2: So you, you 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 fudged it a little bit before, and Ash was on about First Division as well. In which case, I would have gone purely on statistics of saying Alan Ox since he's made more appearances than anybody else. So therefore, might have been in more wins. But I'm guessing yeah. that we're ruling Alan Ox out, he's, and that he didn't win didn't play in the Premier League. Is Ash not, now retreating yeah. from his question? Well, football started in. 1992, as you'd be glad to know, which suits well for me and because we weren't born then. In the Premier League, right? Okay. You don't have to show it. Now. so it I'm not a lie. Uh, it was just a little bit of bad reading out by our host. Um, right? Okay. Well, no, was, I'll... the Premier League was the last. It was, well, the
0: Premier League bit was added below the question there. Mm. Nah, that's not, I, mm. I asked the
2: question and then saw the Premier League bit. well It yeah, feels to me as pretty. if it's either going to be Sergio Aguero or David Silva. Yeah, something like that, isn't it?
1: Gotta be someone who's uh, been there a long time, played a lot of games. But in this period of success, Silver's been less injured than Aguero, I would say.
2: Mm, I'd probably go for David Silver to pin it down to one. Yeah, say, would
0: you agree,
1: David Silver? Well, it's whether I agree and uh, you know back back the claim or have Aguero and.
0: Just to be conscious. Yeah.
1: It's whether I, I risk being wrong so that one of us can be right or whether
0: <laughs> the sacrifice. Put all of our eggs He's in the basket. He's a team player, isn't he? he is, Simon.
1: Um no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean it could be someone else that neither of you mentioned as well. It could be, yeah, but if it but is, it's not. then I'm blaming the question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll go for David Silver.
0: You are both correct with hundred and eighty eight wins in his Manchester City Premier League career. Good. David Silver and yeah Good question Give yourself
2: end. a pat on the back If you're listening in I'm not giving any credit to Ash Because it Well actually <laughs> To be fair He does show me That he wrote Premier League So we'll not give His any working
0: out yeah, yeah
2: we'll not give any credit to Rich But we'll give all the credit It'd to Ash It'll be interesting yeah. to see How many wins <laughs> Alan Oak's got
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a question for next week, Ash. Get into the the stat books, we shall see. Um, But we did say before the break that we'll go on to club matters. And I've not spoken to you for. What have been doing in the first half? (laughs) It's just internationals and. Oh, I see, right. You know, okay. Things that that people don't really care about. This is the
1: nitty gritty. Pedantry over.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Carry on. It extends it, doesn't it? It's more time away from the from the desk. So it all helps. Uh,
2: <laughs> nice to know that everybody's really engaged in this podcast. I am. Ian,
0: I don't think I've actually spoken to you since well, maybe once since City won the League Cup. Obviously, the the uh, conversations still surround can the quadruple be won this season. You would like to win the quadruple. You probably don't. Have too much pressure on City to do it, but what do you make right now? You said that it's a pivotal end to the season, that maybe the breaks come at the wrong time. But do you think that this City side can win the quadruple? Uh,
2: I'd like to say yes, because that's what every City fan listening to me wants me to say, probably. But uh, I'd say no. Um, In fact, I would. Uh, and maybe it's the old City mentality in me, uh, which uh, Stuart Brennan, when he's travelling with me to away games, always accusing me of and being negative and whatnot. Maybe it's a bit of that. I'd like to think it's just being realistic um, and looking at the way that the statistics are piling up. As um, Simon mentioned before, City are on a fantastic run at the moment and looking at the games that are remaining, I just can't see this run... Can continuing on without it faltering. I'm not saying it's going to falter in a big way, but you've only got to lose one of the two remaining games in the FA Cup not to win it. You've only got to lose... Probably, if City lost one, I think that could be enough to not win the Premier League because I don't see Liverpool dropping any or very many points. And obviously there's no room for, no wriggle room, as you might say, in the Champions League. I know you can lose a leg and still win, but if they get past Tottenham, which I do believe City will do, then suddenly it's Ajax or Juventus. I think that'll be no room for error in the semis and then potentially and hopefully Barcelona in the uh, the final in which case then you've absolutely got no wriggle room. So basically City have got to win, 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 win from now until the, the beginning of June. I was going to say the end of May when it's the beginning of June. And I just don't see that happening. Not because there's anything wrong with them. I just think it's just one of those things that's something's uh, got to give hasn't it really it's just just impossible to do I hope I'm proven wrong I hope you're playing this tape back in another couple of months and laughing at me because I said that City wouldn't do the quad and you know what you can laugh as much as you like (laughs) and I wouldn't care but I just don't think they can do it Si, are you as I've just done some quick maths
1: ooh and uh, I'm giving them a 10% chance
0: wow what, what formula have you used on that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I reckon they've got about 80% chance of winning the FA Cup. I think they'd be disappointed not to win it with yeah. how it's unfolded. I'm saying 60% in the Premier League because I think they've got an advantage over Liverpool, but it's tough. And then 20% in the Champions League. Um, Add them all together. So, you know, if you take four-fifths times three-fifths times one-fifth... You've lost me already. You end up at 9.6%, which will generously round up to 10. Very generous that. (laughs) Um, uh, And yeah, it is... Like Ian said, you you just can't keep. Going I'm already in every looking game. forward to
0: the story tomorrow. MEN journalists, <laughs> to the supercomputer rates city's quadruple chances: nine point one six percent, 9.6. Yeah, oh, I thought it was nine point one six. No, no, nine point six. Oh, that is that's fair. We'll
2: let you have yeah. that. Yeah, um, it's a good job his wages aren't worked out on all these yeah. dodgy <laughs>
1: mathematics, isn't it? <laughs> just just basic fractions. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I think the Tottenham game's a bit harder with it being at the new stadium rather than at Wembley. I think City would much rather it been played at Wembley because they're used to winning and beating Tottenham at Wembley. So I think it would have been very easy for them, whereas big new stadium, big atmosphere, it's going to be more unknowns for them. Uh, And Juventus, Barcelona... If, if the favorites go through are two uh two very very tough tough games so I think the champions league is going to be the hardest to win i think the Premier League um yeah I think they're still favorites for the for the league despite their horrid April and uh and the FA Cup we should win so cause it's tough in it because if they win the FA Cup and the league cup but don't win any of the the two biggies is that a successful season
2: well a lot of people will say it isn't yeah Uh, I mean what I will say now is that if City uh, in fact I'll go even further I'll say if City only win the League Cup this year but finish second in the League semi-finalists in the FA Cup and quarter-finalists in the Champions League whilst obviously there is an element of disappointment because the potential was there to do better. You've got to get this into proportion and say that they've played fabulous football, they've won a trophy, and they've reached the latter stages of all the major competitions. The Arsenal approach. I
0: think that's called, cool, isn't it? <laughs>
2: well, yeah, and there'll be, some people will listen and say that's a very negative approach and, and I respect that view, but all I'm saying is that... Uh, You know, if, if you look at the Premier, you can look at any competition, the Premier League or the Champions League being the two main ones. There is only one winner every season. Everybody else is a failure. But is everybody else a failure? You know, if Ajax go out this, in this round now against Juventus, have they been a failure in the Champions League? No, you look at it differently because you don't perceive Ajax to be as big. And I suppose the biggest compliment that City can receive at the moment is that people perceive City to be as big as anybody and, and you know, bigger than anybody else in Europe, and as much as I'm a blue and I want I like the ring of that, city is still not the biggest club you know there's still a work in progress there's still a growing project and all these other words that you want to use um, so to get where they've got to in a relatively short space of time because it was 2011 when suddenly they were injected with money and now have had a series of very good managers back to back and I'd go back to Keegan and Sven almost in that but in latter years of course it's been Mancini, Pellegrini and Pep to have got to where they've got to and now to be expected to win trophies is phenomenal. But me as a blue, as a lifelong blue, I'm still very grateful for where City are. And as I say, at the end of the season, if you drew, if you said to me, Five ten years ago, you'll get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, semi-finals of the FA Cup, win the League Cup, and finish second in the league. I go, wow! I'll take that. <laughs> so quickly we've changed our our ambitions. So yeah, I want I want them to win them all. Don't don't mistake me. I absolutely want us to win it all, but. No, don't, I I don't you don't have to be gutted yeah. and disappointed and calling for changes and everything if that isn't quite achieved because football is, has got so many variables, sendings off and bad decisions, VAR disputes, whatever you know that that can you know once you get to one or two games to go, that's the margins and, it, and you, so you can't say even the best team wins. I mean, think back to Chelsea winning the Champions League a few years ago. Were they the best team in it nah but they won it does that did that were they the best team in Europe nah you know but they won it so it, it isn't it isn't just about being the best or you know or, or condemning the team that loses the best team in Europe that year was the the team Chelsea beat in the final I think it depends on on how
1: they go out you know on who they lose to and how they lose to them you know, I don't think there's any disgrace at all if they lose to an amazing Liverpool team. You know, if they get ninety-five points and lose the league to Liverpool, then you just hold your hands up and say, "Well done to Liverpool, who've you know, wanted this Premier League and not had the distractions of cup competitions." I think if you lose to Brighton or Watford or Wolves in the FA Cup, I think you're disappointed because you say. As much as, you know, you might not have expected to beat them 10 years ago, you certainly do now. Um, And Champions League, I think you're a bit disappointed if you go out to Tottenham. I know they've been very good this year in the league, but City have had the better of them for about two years now. I think, yeah, if you go out to Juve or Barca, then again, you're not disappointed. I think if you go out to Ajax or United, then...
2: I agree entirely yeah. I mean when they went lost to Real Madrid under Pellegrini even though it was Real Madrid yeah. that day I was disappointed because City never had a shot on target and it was you know they'd had a go and lost I could have accepted that but the general points you make us, uh, I agree with
0: I think it's who you ask. I think, as Ian summed up from a City point of view, you still see the journey and the wider how you've come. But from a cynical, wider football point of view, people just say, yeah, but you've spent this money. You spent more than them. Your squad's worth more.
1: Yeah, I think it's like, is it better to have tried and lost than to not have tried at all? And I know like Guardiola's time at Bayern can be seen as um, underwhelming because he only made three Champions League semi-finals and he inherited a team that had won the treble but you know you saw the innovations and the things that he tried to do in each of these three seasons and it was like let's try again let's try this and let's try this and you know you it's a uh, I don't know I wouldn't like to be one of those people who knocks, knocks creativity out, yeah. and
0: which brings yeah. us on to our next point superbly because this week there was a thread on Twitter which basically we've summed it up with is Pep a fraud? <laughs> um, lots of It was an Arsenal fan whose account has since been Mysteriously suspended. Uh, There were some libelous comments in there, which we'll refrain from repeating ourselves, obviously. But he said that he said this Arsenal fan argued that Pep's Pep's a fraud and that he inherited a great City team, and that maybe much of his success was built on money rather than talent, and that his achievement with City isn't as maybe all it's cracked up to be. Ian, what's your your take?
2: I was speaking to uh, uh, Brian Horton recently, the former City manager Um, and uh, we were talking about the possibility of Pep managing at the levels that Brian Horton has managed. I don't mean at City particularly uh, because obviously City were in the top flight back then, but where Brian Horton has been in other clubs, you know, sort of even Macclesfield or Oxford or Hull or, you know, all the different places he's popped up. And uh, to my surprise, even Brian was a little bit sort of, well, not sure, um, even though I know that Brian Horton is a massive fan of Pep. Um, I'm much more convinced personally that that Pep would make a massive difference. Now, if you're asking me if he went in at, at Bury... Um, who are currently in the promotion spots in League 2 uh, and could Pep do better and um, certainly would Pep have them uh, you know, winning the Premier League in five years from now I'd mm. say it, it's almost impossible for Pep or any other manager without an injection of money to lead Berry to the Premier League title you can't just do it on coaching alone
1: so That would but- be the Berry manager who's spent time with Pep Guardiola
2: and Ryan Lowe. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: once his Berry team to play like City.
2: Yeah, and they do, yeah, actually. If yeah. you go and watch Berry they do. They have followed that format. So, you're, you know, everything you're saying again is right. This is very unusual, isn't it? Simon's <laughs> saying things that are right. But... Yeah, um, I do believe, with total sincerity, that Pep Guardiola would be able to make whatever club at whatever level he went in at better. Um, you know, I was at Stockport County at the weekend watching them lose to Fylde unfortunately, in the FA Trophy. And I believe, and no, no disrespect to Jim Gannon, by the way, who's the manager <laughs> of Stockport, but if Pep Guardiola went into Stockport County, I believe that he would make their the players that they have. There now better now the cynics and this Arsenal fan and, and other people like him or her you know can look, look at the outside and and basically come to the conclusion that everything he's done has been so, uh, built on money and Pep himself has been asked that question in a press conference not quite that long ago times, yeah, yeah. Um, and he gave quite a fulsome answer to it and and he and he was quite upfront about it wasn't he it was like yeah of course I need money of course I can't win the league without money and you know, everywhere I've been has been successful so he knows it he's not he's not stu- obviously he's not stupid he's not naive but the inference from the criticism is that He's a fraud. He can't do it without money. Well, that's just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. He's a he's a genius of a coach. Um, his his ideas and the way he thinks uh, are exactly what I want to watch. Attacking, free flowing football, and I believe that he's he's to the benefit of English football. He helped German football. He was when he was there. Look at what he did at Barcelona, bringing through youngsters and then and then the way that they play, not just the success, but the way that they play, he's anything but a fraud. Yeah. I was hoping... You're sort of going to agree with me now, Simon? You're going to agree with me? Yeah, yeah. I hey. mean, it's
1: almost like a, an obsolete argument, and it like, well, how would he do with Portsmouth? I would love to see how he does with Wrexham. Well, if you, feel, you feel like um, Bielsa at Leeds is kind of Ruined those people mm. because Bielsa's has come in and taken largely the same bunch of players that Leeds and turned them into really good one players, of the best yeah. teams in the league. Um, and it you know team matters more than than individual players. Um, but yeah, and 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 it's one of those things where well, you have to look to the other side of the city as
0: well to prove that. A magic make all the difference to a set of players.
1: Yeah, more, more yeah. So than, but I, I mean, on, on that thread, I quite thought the phrase "inheritance merchant" was quite yeah. funny. Um, Sanya cliche color but, of. Well, even like Sterling, I don't think you can say oh, he inherited Raheem Sterling, so he was dead good. Like he inherited a Raheem Sterling that had not pulled up any trees at City in his first season. Lost his place in the team to Navas. I think Pellegrini couldn't be bothered with him by the end. Guardiola's had to ring Sterling at Euro 2016 because he's getting so much criticism over there. So, you know, he's, he's inherited a Raheem Sterling that is a shell of the Raheem Sterling that exists now. And a lot of that is down to, to the player himself, but it's also down to the uh, the manager. And, you, you know, his first pre-season, he's having to send players to train on their own because they're overweight. It was, it was a mess that he he inherited and a team that finished second in the league did they
0: which is remarkable when you think about it
1: no or was it fourth no it was fourth, fourth. it was the fun- oh yeah narrowly fourth it was yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was it, it was a mess that he because his he one, came one aim was just to get Champions League that first season yeah, I still
0: they, found it remarkable that he did so they were either a
1: point ahead of United for Mourinho coming in or level And everyone was like, including me, was like, Pep v Jose, this is going to be great. And it wasn't even a contest because one is a coach still in touch with modern players and the modern game and Uh, the other isn't.
0: And everyone's had to pipe up on foreign TV channels to try and
1: relevant. And Mourinho has been one of the best, you know, was one of the best coaches in the world for like 10, 15 years. And Jurgen Klopp is an immensely talented coach and Mauricio Pochettino is and they all got blown out of the water by City last season with the help of significant spending from City but like Liverpool have spent double what City have spent in the last year 18 months and they're still not ahead of them in the league
0: yeah I think if you look as well behind City's Centurions I know we have to call them that but you look at the some of the best players that were in there Fernandinho Aguero Sterling all inherited he, may, yeah. and he re- 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 rejuvenated all their careers really
1: yeah, well he's made them all better. And I think that's what that's what counts. And yeah, they spent fifty million on Benjamin Mendy. Well it's a fat lot of good that's done. We spent one point seven million on Zinchenko, who you know, kept Chelsea and other teams at bay recently. So it's um the coaching goes underrated, I think. I think
0: that's your definitive answer then, isn't it? Pep, fraud or not? We'll <laughs> go for a big fat no on that one. Um finally though. Ian, yeah, I know we said that Pep doesn't enjoy the early kickoffs in the Premier League. Are you looking forward to your trip to London this Saturday? Fulham away? Um, it's going to be interesting because Fulham almost pulled off an improbable result against Liverpool just prior to the international break. But City are going to be heavy favourites for the game, and it almost feels like one that City can only sort
2: of lose because the expectation is that they will win and quite comfortably. Well, I think if City are going to win the league this year, which uh, clearly I want them to do, um, then Liverpool's next two games, I think it's the next two league games, certainly this weekend they play Spurs and then they've got the Chelsea game coming soon after that. It feels to me as if they're going to slip, they're probably going to slip in those games. And the best way City can can hopefully make that happen is by keeping the pressure on. So clearly they've got to go to Fulham and win. They've got Cardiff the following midweek the game that's been brought forward. Both look eminently winnable games. Both look like games where De Bruyne, um, Fernandinho can be eased back in. That's not to disrespect those two teams, but the way that Pep generally does it is players don't come suddenly back in and play 90 minutes. So you can see De Bruyne being either on the bench at Fulham or playing 60 minutes and coming off. So you're not, you're not, I don't think you're going to see 90 minutes from him. Possibly the same with Fernandinho. And So therefore, what you wouldn't want to be doing is coming back after the international break and playing Tottenham either at the old ground or, uh, sorry, the new ground or Wembley at 12.30 this coming Saturday. You know, you want that to be in two or three weeks from now, which it is. So therefore, I think this this has dropped quite well for City in terms of players coming back to have these two games. Then you've got a semi-final at Wembley, which again, it is a semi-final, but it is bright. So it is a team you would expect City to beat. So they should, in theory, come back and have three games now to reintegrate and get these players back up to top speed before then suddenly, one after the other, you have all the make or break, huge, huge games. Um, So whilst you're asking me about Fulham, and Fulham won't, no games are taken for granted. And obviously they've got a new manager, who, you know, has got, got them, you know, working together, perhaps slightly differently than they did before. An old-fashioned English player, old-fashioned English management. Um, it, so it won't be easy, but but you know, yeah, I'd, I'd take these fixtures as they are: Fulham, Cardiff, and the semi-final, as the way to to get City back to where they need to be, ready, finally tuned for the big games. Can you name
1: a Premier League defence that has been worse than Fulham this season? Cardiff, maybe. I don't mean like um, a Premier League team this season. I mean, ever. when was the last Derby, side ever it? you saw in the top flight that had a defence as bad as Fulham's? Because I can't, I'm thinking like Wigan under Roberta Martinez losing nine at Tottenham.
2: Is like I'm sticking up for Roberto Martinez. Here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you how, know, this my man. In? I like Roberto. Well. I,
1: I think they hold the record for the the most goals conceded in in uh, a league season. But Fulham have just been absolutely woeful.
2: Yeah, but you're not you're not factoring in the new manager.
0: They were good against Chelsea under parker in the, well, f- well the then, first game yeah they were all right yeah. but then, and
2: right as you point out did they, did they, okay against liverpool
1: and then they yeah they pulled it back to one all and then they was they couldn't even manage to hold out without making another catastrophic defensive error right you're convincing me simon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: i think that's the thing i think they're, they're grittier and they're tighter against the top teams but if city turn up and just don't get too complacent City will
1: get at least two or three easy easy chances
0: yeah and it just so depends if they take them on the day it's all
1: on their fault if they, I've
0: got a feeling it could be similar in front of goal as, as the Swans again I think there could be some frustrating moments City will to have to make sure they're sharp at the back so they don't see any sloppy goals but they'll dominate the game it's just where they take the chances and there's it's, no VAR
2: in this one is there so you know, yeah, if Aguero was a offside it would off be alright yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was um, what score did they beat them at home in the league game I know they won was it 3-0 3-0 in the league cup I oh think. yeah that's the was one it 3-0 at home as well I like can't remember it was to easy. be honest. It was easy, I remember it just anyway.
0: being a stroll in the park, and it was just I think it was a game where City thought that they should have maybe yeah. scored.
1: Sterling gave Ryan Sassignon nightmares from that game. So, say, I,
0: I know it's a, a long way away, but I, I think the Cardiff game's going to be much tougher. No. Do you not? No. I've got. A, I, it might be tougher than Fulham, but I think league Fulham Cup will be was tougher two. than Cardiff. No. <laughs> league Cup was 2 0, the league was 3 0, City.
1: Right. But again, City got after two minutes in the in the league game. Yeah, yeah. I just think, as Ian was saying, they're just very, very presentable games um, to ease their way back in. And if they don't take six points from Fulham and Cardiff, then uh, they won't win the league, will they? Really? Well, it'd be no. Nah. No, they won't. Not if they slip up in those games. No. But more than that, they're not. They don't tend to do that. I think the defeat to Palace was like the first time in. An absolute age under Guardiola, they'd lost to. Uh, correct. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they the defeat to Palace in December was the first time since they lost four nil to Everton in his first season that they'd lost to a team outside the top six. six yeah. So I'm racking my head. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Because United will have been sixth when they beat them the Etihad last year. So. They, they don't tend to slip up against these teams because they're usually a lot better than them.
0: Yeah, so I guess it, the only only thing is a draw, isn't it? Or I mean, yeah, I, and it'd be yeah, interesting yeah. to see that that physical Cardiff approach as well on City. to see just Yeah,
2: Cardiff are like, um, like because... that on their own ground, but they don't tend to be like that as much away from home, do they? No. That's what make, gives uh, me more confidence about a week on Wednesday. And what we've also seen from City in the last few months has been that
1: fight, mm. you know, like Swansea, 2-0 down came back
0: yeah that surprised me a lot actually considering how how well they have been that record so i still thought when city went 2-0 down this looks like it's a bit too steep a mountain to climb at the yeah. moment to, to win it in normal time especially i thought if it went to extra time city would win but
2: yeah to
0: yeah. get a third in 90 minutes and save some more
1: energy yeah you know, so cool. it, it might not be a perfect performance on saturday or on wednesday but you would still think that they will have enough
0: and who cares if they if they win both matches anyway. That's all that matters. Well, I do. Decision. I want to see him play well. I want to
2: see him play well because that's what I love under Pep. And that's why. But surely you'd rather um, see them play ugly and win. Well, the, the league at this point. I know what you're saying, and that's what the, everybody says. But no, for me, that's why I said to you, it isn't it? Isn't to me just about how many trophies there are at the end of the season? I want all the trophies. Yes, of course I do. But actually, when we look back on this era in years to come, um, me as a fan just as I mean City didn't win anything under Keegan but I loved that era you know so I I think I'll look back on this era if I live long enough to be able to look back on it you know to look back on this era and regardless of how many trophies say wow wasn't that brilliant and I'm living it at the moment so they win them they win them great they don't look at what season they've had it's already been brilliant that's spoken like a true blue. That's what, a lovely way to lovely end it.
0: Lovely way to end it. Ian, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you back again very soon. Thank hopefully, hopefully We'll have even more excitement to talk about. Sai, thank you very much Thanks. for joining us. And thank you as well for listening today. Please do leave a review and subscribe if you haven't already. And join us again next week on the Talking City podcast.